Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coding the Future. I am so glad and honored that you have joined us for this hour. This show is an education-based show to give information and action tips to working adults and educators to guide them through a new level of tech savvy through leveraging their own skill set. We share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain how to leverage current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your tech success. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. I'm an educator, technologist, entrepreneur, mom of two boys, lover of all things coffee and wine, an avid <laughs> list maker, and a lifelong learner. I am so honored that you're spending your hour with us today, and I hope that you will find an action-based item to take away with you to cheer up your day and to use throughout the week. I am really excited because today is a special day. I have done a few solo shows, but mostly interviews with other people. And today I wanted to share a little bit more insight about who I am, who I am as an educator, and a bit about my background. So today I am joined by my superhero, my mom. And my mom is a really special lady to me. She has been, along with my dad, I don't want to leave my dad out for this because well, that'll be another episode. But my mom is my biggest cheerleader, always my support, and uh, taught me so many things over the years that I think are so valuable in terms of how I live my life and drive my career now. And, you know, when I'm speaking with friends, or you've probably even heard me say these things on the show, I'll say, you know, my mom always says, and there's different pieces of advice that she's given me over the years that I think are just so incredibly insightful and have helped me when I'm in my darkest days and then when I'm in my highest of highs. So I wanted her to come on and share a little bit of her insight with you all and then explain a little bit more about my why behind the name of my business and my nonprofit. So as I've mentioned before, I have two businesses that I focus on. The first one is The Dot Consulting, where we help education entities integrate computer science into their curriculums, which means really elevating innovation around computer science and computing to prepare our students for what's next to come in this 21st century learning. And then my heart is uh, give back is to the Dottie Rose Foundation, which is named in honor of my mom's mom, Dorothy Rose. And at the Dottie Rose Foundation, we support middle school girls in computer science to really change that pipeline and really have that conversation around women in technology, women finding their space at the table and their voice in the field of innovation, computer science and technology. So as I turn this over to welcome my mom to the table, who is a veteran, education, veteran educator, obviously my mom, and a great mama to my boys. Mom, welcome to Coding the Future. Well, thank you, dear. Thank you, Sharon. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you. 
Well, it's an honor to have you here. You know, I, I share your insight on a regular basis. Uh, there are several pieces of advice that you've given me over the years that I will mention to fellow colleagues and friends whenever they're down. Um, and I wanted them to hear some of your insights. So I'd like for you to tell me, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself in terms of what your career uh, was as an educator and um, a little bit about your background. Right. Um, when, when I was uh, growing up, I grew up mostly in the 50s and then in the 60s when I was making a career choice. Um, there, the times were so different then. There were no cell phones and many and other forms of technology you had the choices that you had for your career for women was mostly a teacher, a nurse, or a secretary. I chose to be a teacher. My family background had many teachers. Um, even my great-grandmother was a teacher. And I, I was very happy with that choice. I enjoyed teaching. Um, I still enjoy working with the grandsons, and I, and I do not regret that choice. Um, <clears throat> the young women today just have every, all fields open to them um, to decide on what they want to do uh, in their career. My parents, though, uh, did not tell me what to study. They were, they said I could study anything I want it to be, um, and <clears throat> I just happened to choose to be a teacher, and as I said, I was glad I did, um, but they did tell me that if I did not want to go to a four-year college, then I must train myself to do some kind of job. I, I thought that was very wise, um, and I agree. I, I, I remembered that, and actually, it made me um, keep going toward uh, that I did want a um, four-year degree. But I, I love that knowing, as I said before to you, my mind had a way out. I could study uh, something else if I did not want to go four years. Well, I like that because that's something I often say even now. I know you mentioned that, of course, there's different the opportunities have changed since you were young and, and deciding what you wanted to do, and, and I think you're an incredible teacher, it was uh, where you needed to be. And even for my generation, you know, they're, they're, the fields opened up, but I don't know that even I had in my mind all the possibilities that I could do. I mean, teaching was what I ended up doing as well, of course, mostly because I call that the boomerang piece where I kept going back to it. But you said something that I think is really pivotal. And I use this often now because there's so many different options besides just four year and not, and four year education isn't for everybody, but mom and Dan Papa said, train yourself to do something. And you have told me that before as well. When we were both my brother and I were making decisions as we were young, if four years, not what you want to do, you need to train yourself to do something so that you have a skill or a profession. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Yes. And, and um, I, I'm glad that you chose what you did. I'm very, very proud of you. But um, 
there were many options out there and you did not have to choose to go four years, five years, however long it took for you to complete your doctorate. And, but yet how I kept going, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kept going. But you know yeah. what? That was really, it's interesting you mentioned that too, mom, because we, we have so many educators that are in our family. And I, and I believe that's a part of who we are as our, our bloodline, our lifeline is there's this education piece that's always been a part of, of our family. You know, my, my mom's dad, Papa, he was very uh, keen on education. My great aunt, his sister went to ECTC, which was East Carolina Teaching College, my Aunt Yoma, uh, when she was 15. Isn't that correct, mom? She was on a, they put on a train, which was unheard of at that time. That was in 1915. Probably she got on the train. That's how they, that's, that's how they sent their children to school. They put them on the train. That's what you did then. Right. But but his parents were such advocates for education and knew that. And and the reason why I'm mentioning this is that the education piece is at that point was a four-year college, but they were also keen on any type of skill or whatever you were training yourself to do. It was education, not just in terms of academic, but education and training yourself and continuous learning. Right. My um, dad's mother, my great-grandmother, uh, was a teacher herself. Very unusual for those times. And they had four children, and they educated all of them, which was quite a, um, that was quite a, an accomplishment also. They also housed teachers in their home, didn't they? At, with they the- did. They did. Um, my parents are both from a um, rural background. They both grew up in New Salem, North Carolina. And my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, helped to um, promote having New Salem Elementary uh, built. And he said, they said, my grandparents said, that if you will build this school, we will house the teachers in our home. And that's what they did. They had a upstairs two-story house and um, the teachers lived upstairs. And my grandmother uh, did a lot of the cooking for them as well. And little by little, then the school grew. And then, of course, they didn't live there any longer. But my dad remembers many, many times about the teachers being there, sitting down to meals with them. Um, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, you know, that's something that's ingrained in me too. Both mom and papa and you and dad have always mentioned there. there's three pieces that we have leveraged uh, our life on, which is faith, family, and fellowship. And the fellowship part is something that I have such keen memories of both of my grandparents and you all sharing a meal around the table and how important that was to have conversation and communication with one another. And it started with our family, having that communication with one another and keeping that communication open, which then would spill over into pieces of our lives outside of our family. My, my mother always um, <clears throat> had us sit down to dinner every night. And um, 
there was to be no TV. And of course, there was no interruption by cell phones. But And then I did that with you uh, and David and, of course, your dad. Um, that was one of my I, – I enjoyed that every day, hearing about your days, hearing about what you did. Um, and I always said that I never realized um, how much conversation went on uh, until you left for college, and then David was having to um, make the conversation with us. So um, I remember those days too. Yeah, um, I, I still am a talker today. Clearly, since I have uh, still doing uh, doing this radio show. But tell me a little bit about Mama D. So I'd like you to tell us a little bit about. Obviously, I had a very special relationship with my grandmother, who I called Mama D, Mama Dorothy, and who my businesses are uh, named in honor of. And most of that comes from the piece that my Mama D also had great advice and was always one of, of wisdom and grace. I, oh, when I think about her, I think about grace and how she moved through life. But my Mama D did not have a four-year education. And, but she was a lifelong learner. And that's something that was also instilled in me. And part of how she raised you, mom, and saying that, of course, for your education or train yourself to do something, because she was always doing something with flowers or dance or with uh, organizing or sewing. There was always a project that I can recall that she was doing to keep her mind going. But tell me a little bit about Mama D and why we think she's so special. Um, my mother grew up, as I said before, in New Salem, uh, North Carolina. She grew up on a farm and <clears throat> she um, had two younger brothers, a uh, uh, younger brother and sister. And um, she used to love to write plays and she would make them act out her plays. My aunt, Vito, <laughs> said that my mother would stand on a stump and uh, out there in the field and direct them as they uh, acted out the plays. Um, now, her roots were from on the farm, and she chose not to stay on the farm, but she um, was very um, uh, proud of her roots, and um, just chose to take a different route, of course. Um, <clears throat> she um, did go to, to a two-year college and did some training with that. But um, the things that I remember about my mother, too, was that um, after I was uh, an adult and married, she would um, come to my home uh, to, when she'd come to my home to visit me, she would bring with her a tote, which I do with at your home as well. Uh, I guess yes, that's you right. do. There's always things in the yeah. tote. She would come to visit me, and she would always bring something for me. Um, it might be a newspaper article. It might be a dessert. It would be something just for me, but usually it was something that I could learn from. Um, she was a person that made lists. Um, I know that when I would usually, uh, when I was first married and did not have children, I would go to visit with her every Saturday. And I love to do that because she would uh, fix lunch for us and 
Of course, those were during the times there were not a whole lot of restaurants. And she would go into the refrigerator and pull out all these different good foods and fix this wonderful lunch for us. And um, I would enjoy talking to her. I missed that very much. And sometimes we would go places that um, were girl things. She also had a candy drawer in the mm, kitchen. Yes, I remember the candy drawer yeah. or the big red. Yeah. The big red is what I'm most fond of. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think that um, she loved to dance. She loved to... Um, she loved to step out of the box, I guess you would say. She was very interested in um, promoting um, education for girls. Um, uh, while I was growing up, when I was little, um, different members of our family uh, lived with us while they were in college or they were getting started in their careers. Um, she just always was trying to help them get their start. She and my dad were... Uh, older than some of their brothers and sisters. And so she was always trying to give them, uh, the younger ones, a place to get started. Um, I have wonderful members of them, memories of them living there because I was an only child. Um, one of the things uh, she wanted was for me to have lots of opportunities. And <clears throat> she, um, one of the, she involved me in scouting, and that was a great opportunity for me because being an only child and learned how I learned how to be a member of a team in all kinds of situations. Um, she was actually the leader and we did lots of camping. We uh, um, went, we lived on a sailboat for a week. Oh, I could just go on and on with all that. We had a ukulele group. All those things helped me um, to learn how to get along with other people without, um, since I didn't have any brothers or sisters. Living on the sailboat sounds like a lot of fun. I don't know if I knew that story. You may have said that before, but I don't know if I recall that one. Um, that yeah, was, it was pretty amazing. We took the train up to a Mystic, Connecticut. Oh, yes. I remember. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. And the train, this is the times that it was, the train was full of soldiers going to Vietnam. So those were the times. And we lived on this boat, sailboat uh, for a week, and they told us how to sail. We, we were treated just like a sailor would be treated, had to swab the deck. Lots of opportunities my mother and my parents offered to me. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Is there something that you can think of that was really a defining moment for you as a child that drove you. Now, I know you said that you were thinking about making those decisions about going to college and et cetera, but was there something that they did or said that really helped you make a decision about what you wanted to do as a career path? You know, when I was in Scouts, um, we did lots of, we did a lot of things with um, children that were younger. And I remember that we would have these little day camps in the summer. And we would go to uh, communities that uh, were in need of, of the children having opportunities in the summer. And we would actually go out of the community and say, we're having a day camp. Would you like to come? And um, 
these children would come and we would do all kinds of fun things with them, crafts and all that. I think that's what made me make up my mind. Uh, and that was because of what my mother promoted. She's the one that came up with that idea and uh, she promoted that. And um, I, I don't know that I would have uh, known to do that if uh, she had not come up with the idea. I still remember, I have happy memories of that, of gathering those children together and um, doing all kinds of uh, crafts and learning activities with them. Yeah, you know, I think that's really important in, in mentioning that the example, what I hear you saying uh, quite a bit about both of my grandparents, and this is something that you and dad did for David and myself. I, I haven't mentioned him quite as much, but he'll be on the show as well. But I have a younger brother, David, and he and I are very close. Uh, and But what I'm hearing you say quite a bit is that leading by example and showing you different opportunities and and, and, and exposing you to, to different, I don't want to say things, things is it because it is the material, but also experiences so that you can make your own decisions about what worked best for you. And I think that's really important for even now, the exposure and the opportunity. And I think you do that with my own children by doing a variety of different activities with them. I will mention that my mom has been quite a support. I know y'all have heard me say this, but during the COVID situation and having young children at home, which I have two boys that are nine and six, and mom has been such a pivotal, my mom and my dad, in helping me get through this time and helping to educate <laughs> my own two children by being patient and walking through her own. She's, we'll talk a little bit more about her, academic, her education career in the, in the next uh, section. But uh, that's the main piece that I'm hearing you say, mom, is that there was great example and exposure and there wasn't as much telling as being a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you feel like you had the opportunity to be successful and also fail? Oh, yes. Uh, um, I, I, used, I was very independent. I, I know that um, sometimes people would say to my mother, Jan is very independent. And I, I know that that comes from uh, being able to make my own decisions with their guidance. Um, I thought my parents were a very good example of, of, of having a happy marriage. Um, they uh, loved each other. They had the same background. They had the same goals. Um, they had the same faith uh, life together. Um, and my parents were humble. Um, yes, I, they were. That's what I take away a lot is they were humble. I mean, I just never heard them bragging about anything. So um, <clears throat> I still, my, their example is how I became, um, chose what I did in my life. And your example is why I did where I've taken the path that I have done. You know, I was inspired. There's a there's a very special relationship between a grandchild and a grandparent, I believe. 
And there was a wonderful, magical relationship that I had with my grandmother because one of the things that was always so special is that, you know, she, <laughs> I could do no wrong. And there was no discipline, of course, with Mama D. I mean, not that I needed discipline, but, you know, there's a different level of, you know, of that yeah. interaction than when at home, of course, because my parents are not only my parents, but they love me and, you know, give guidance. And I think that they're, their example led to you, which influenced myself and my brother. And I hope that I'm walking in your same footsteps as I'm working with my own children and helping to give them an example and be a facilitator for their life so they get to make their own decisions for what drives them. And much of that is what has become the center of my purpose in my career is that we find what makes us happy on the inside first. We start with what we love and then you add in the rest. When you're thinking about learning a new skill or, or driving your career, you want to do what lights you up inside. And otherwise, I don't believe you will ever find you're happy. You want to do something that lifts you up. And that's one thing that I've always thought about you and your career in teaching that it really did light you up to watch the kids grow and learn and develop. My parents made me feel valued mm. and your dad and I made sure you and David felt valued as well. And that was your decision as to what you wanted to do um, with your career and we would be there, whatever you wanted to do, we would be there to help you achieve that goal. And you are. I would, ne I, would never, I would never want you to do what you didn't want to do. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's a really special gift. And I think that's a, a gift that I carry very deep with my heart because I always have felt empowered to do what I loved and teaching has been my career because that is what I love. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dig in with my mom a little bit more about her career as an educator, how she has seen education change and develop and, and the core pieces that make our children learn and tick and uh, talk a little bit about some pieces of advice that I think have been very valuable to me as an educator and a career professional. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more with my mom. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. From face-to-face -face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy, Visit the dot consulting dot co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology 
and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. Welcome back, everyone, to Coding the Future we have a extremely special guest today. Well, extreme, extremely special to me, and I believe that all of you are going to find her equally as special. We have my mom. Uh, and you know what? I don't even think I told them your name, mom. My mom's name is Jan Torrance. And, you know, she's just mom to me, of course. But my mom is a very uh, special guest today because she is sharing a little bit about her background and the background of my grandparents. My companies, of course, are named in the honor of my mom's mom, D- Dorothy Rose, and who each, my mom, my grandparents, my dad have all had such a very large impact in my life and my mission and vision on on, on how I walk through this this thing we call life and my career. But I would also like you to get to know her a little bit more because she is has given me such great guidance over the years. And she herself is an educator, worked as a an elementary education for over 30 years. And of course, and, and what's really cool about my mom's career is that it spanned over many decades. So, and I, I don't mean that in terms of like, oh gosh, she's so old, but in terms of how education changed and didn't change and the developments of tech and, and et cetera. I mean, she's kicked off her career in the seventies and then in the eighties had my brother and myself and took a little bit of time off and then went back in the 90s and then stayed on on through. So mom, tell us a little bit about why did you choose elementary education and what do you think is so special about that time in a child's life? Oh my goodness. I just love the uh, younger children like that. Again, it goes sort of back to the things that I did in scouting with younger children. Um, When you were a um, senior scout, you did a lot of work with the younger children. And as I said, that was a big influence on me. I, I just love the way, I love the way they love their teacher. Uh, elementary school children love their teacher. And, um, oh, they just are so much, uh, so much fun to um, work with, uh, to teach, uh, to bring them up in a circle and read stories to them. Um, it's just a, a wonderful career. Now, I started, goodness, I think I was, I was 21 when I started teaching here in Charlotte. And I taught for 10 years and uh, before um, you were born. And it was, uh, 
a, a rural school, Still Creek Elementary. It was a, a rural um, area, and the children were just um, so eager to learn, and um, they um, were came into the school room every day happy, and um, it was just a great time. Um, you, you didn't really, um, you, you were pretty much on your own about how you ran your classroom. And then I was home for uh, at least 10 years, but during that time I did uh, teach preschool at our church. Mm-hmm. That, that's a wonderful job too. Um, I, I, when I always said that um, I, I left for my job after you and David left for school and I was home before you were home and I had a jingle in my pocket because I had a little bit of money that I had made and <clears throat> that was very nice. Um, I chose to stay home. That was what the young moms were encouraged to do during those days. Uh, get an education, but stay home with your children. And so that's what I chose to do. Although I probably would have had a hard time doing both. But <clears throat> anyway, then um, I returned um, I did the preschool for a while, and then I returned to teaching in the public schools. I was at Oakhurst Elementary for about four, about five years, and um, it had all changed. Uh, teaching had changed. They had gone to small groups, um, rotating the centers, um, but I just thought it was wonderful, the changes. And then I transferred to McKee Road. And I was there for the rest of my career. Teaching at McKee Road, you had to work hard to stay ahead of the children. Um, The the parents were very interested in education, and you had to work very hard to stay um, ahead of those children. Um, it uh, It was a wonderful career for me. But then little Ethan came along, Sharon's first uh, child, and um, I wanted to be able to be with him. And by that time, I had worked uh, 30 years. So I retired, and I did not regret it at all. I was glad to be able to see my grandsons when I could. Well, the one thing about my mom as an educator, and she's mentioning about how her career span and the break she took in between, but then still continued to teach at preschool, what do you think, you know, you mentioned in all different areas that the children were excited to learn. And I would agree with you on that. In elementary school, it is such a delight to what the young, the young minds are so excited to learn something new and to expand. And honestly, that continues on into middle and high school. It's just a different sense of maturity and there is, uh, you know, they're growing and things are changing uh, within them as they become uh, big humans instead of little humans. But what is something that you think is the key to really helping a young person blossom at the elementary age? Is it reading? Is it math? Is it relationships, communication, interaction, exposure? What do you think is a really pivotal key to helping a young person grow? When they're that age in elementary school, especially, I was mostly in second grade. Um, they they like everything. They 
they love learning anything new. I mean, I can remember reading books about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. They just didn't know the background and they love learning that. I, they all uh, excelled, usually excelled in one subject or another. And little by little, you begin to learn that and begin to try to give them more to do in that area. Um, in the grades that I taught, they loved everything. They loved being together. They loved recess, of course. Um, I don't think, I think that maybe the key to what they wanted to do later in life would have come, would come in the older grades. Um, they love maps, just about anything you could put before them, they like to learn. I would agree with that. Their minds are very like sponges. And we've had this conversation before too with my own children and figuring out, okay, so what, you know, and they do begin to start thinking about different areas that they're interested in. To me, what I saw, always saw you do, of course, is to nurture and to say, you can do whatever you want. And when you're working with a student, if you start noticing them to love math in a particular area, really accelerating that and providing opportunities and exposure for them to continue to grow and see math in more ways than just on a worksheet. They love to learn. I remember they used to love to work with a partner. Um, yeah. You could, you could um, put them with a partner, and that was a, a lot of uh, help them to help each other. If one was weaker in another area than another one, they could help each other. I think it's real important, too, at that young age that they felt comfortable that they could talk to their teacher about something that they wanted to do, something that they enjoyed doing. Um, I think that was very important. And I wanted them to feel comfortable to come and tell me something that I would really like to um, learn about dinosaurs more. And, um, and, that's, and then it was up to me to provide that opportunity. Yeah, I agree with that. And that exposure and exploration, there's something really valuable. And I, and I still find this to be true today, even as an adult, in seeking more information about your passion or something you're interested in, but then also being open to the fact that you may fail a bit at it. It may not come as you may think that dinosaurs are really interesting, but then when you start digging in, it's a little more complex than you really thought. But, and if you really love it, you keep going. This is what I call the boomerang piece, right? So I fought being an educator for a while. When I went off to college, I actually thought I was going to do something in radio then. And I did a communications degree and I kept thinking, you know, I don't want to be a teacher because my whole family has been teachers, you know, not, not anything against y'all. I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to go against the grain and do something else. And but what I found myself got, kept coming back to was teaching, that boomerang piece. I kept finding myself wanting to tutor or wanting to assist or wanting to lead tours or whatever it was somewhere back in that education area. And even though it wasn't, it didn't always come easy to me in learning how to be a great educator, but it was what I wanted to dig my heels into and really work at. And I think that's something that is important for us all to keep remembering that we may not always be successful. And I know that you have mentioned many times that in your span of teaching or your teaching career that 
there were new systems and new tech that you had to work at in order to really become successful at using in the classroom? Oh, yes. Uh, You had to um, stay ahead of the children. You had to learn the new methods. You uh, we had to always be training and learning ourselves. And, and education is so much more exciting now. Um, they all love science. The little second graders did. They just love science. And uh, they loved art. Um, they loved the special area teachers coming in and teaching them some kind of new way to do math. Um, there's just lots of um, great, oppor- great, better educational opportunities now. Uh, these last, the, my last 10 years were very exciting. Yeah, I can agree with that. And then it has continued to change even now. So, you know, Mom, I was thinking that I, I tend to, when I am, of course, I always sort of giggle to myself because I'll say certain things and I'm like, oh gosh, I sound just like my mom when I <laughs> say X, Y, or Z. Even in the classroom, I'll say certain things and I'm like, oh gracious, here comes Jan. And, <laughs> you know, but there's a couple of pieces of advice that you have given me over the years that have really helped me. And I want to share those with our audience because whether you whatever career or, or life path you have chosen, these pieces of advice have helped guide me when situations have occurred. And even right now, I think about in the pandemic situation. And the piece of advice I want to start with was, uh, or is, whenever um, I have struggled, one thing about me is I, I usually struggle with change. And I like predictability I'll, and the way, I like predictability at a certain to a certain level where I can change, but I kind of still know what's going to happen. But when I went off to college, I really struggled. That first year was pretty terrible. Uh, I, I, I even called my papa at that point to come pick me up and he told me no. And that may be the first time he'd ever told me no. And that was a little bit shocking for, for this, uh, this granddaughter. But I remember that my parents also said, they were not going to come pick me up, but that they would come every weekend. And well, you know, I didn't really want that either. But my mom then said, you know, Sharon, whenever you have a change, it usually takes a year to adjust. How did you, and, and, and I have to tell you that rings true. It's rang true in anything I have ever done. Any career switch, having a baby, going to college, turning 30 <laughs> to be here to figure out how to become, you know, you're changing to your thirties. It would be starting a, a new hobby or even when we bought our, bought the house, it took a year to kind of figure out, well, how is this, how do we really want to make this whole house work? But where did that come from? Like, how did, how did you know that that's, that, that year mark is. The uh, take a year. I, I, I don't remember my mother saying that. I, I, I remember that I came up with that in my life. I, all the things that happen as you become an adult. And there's lots of changes where, uh, where you're going to live, uh, buying a house for the first time, um, having a child. 
And I, I just knew that I would be very anxious about a change. And as I, then as I began to live my life, I looked back on it and I thought, well, you know, um, I, th- th- this is just wonderful now. And I, this time last year, it was not wonderful. And I, <laughs> yeah. just, be- I just began to realize that so many changes are going to be difficult uh, for maybe about a year. And then either you adjust to it or you make another change or you look back and you say, I, I think, I think particularly when you have children, that first year with the baby is hard uh, with no sleep. And then they turn into a little person and you look back and you think, oh, there's such a joy. But I find it is with everything. Uh, it just seems to take a year to adjust. I agree. I mean, I'm, I mean, to me, it's, a, it's the piece of advice that's given me uh, a sense of stability amongst when I feel like I cannot control things. You know, when I, I, re- I can even recall that first year of teaching, holy moly, what a year, you know, I was so young and I didn't know. And I remember you saying, takes a year, Sharon. And sure enough, and, and the other thing that I also realized too, for that one in particular, for starting teaching, that first semester was just, holy, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, it was crazy. I mean, crazy. And then it was, you could feel the turning point at the semester, you know, so you could think about this in, in any terms, halfway through the year, you begin to, okay, so I don't feel so new anymore. And then that second half of the year, you're beginning to step into your confidence about what's going on. For me, that was teaching. For anyone else, it could be starting a new job or with the children, you know, at least six months under my belt, I was beginning to figure out what it, what this whole thing was of being a parent and, and, and whatnot. So I, I feel like that's very true. And if I if I look back on changes and the way things have been, it's for sure after that first year I begin to find my stride. Right, <clears throat> right. I, I used to tell you too um, that your mind needed a way out. Mm-hmm. Like if you um, were in the middle of a crisis then I would say to you, I mean, this is when you were growing up too, not just in your job now, but uh, I would say to you, well, well, let's think what, if this doesn't work out, what can you do? What can we do? And I always thought that, and I do that for myself. Um, I, I think that that helps you think, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, then I will do so-and-so. Um, I, I think that helps you to, um, to stay with whatever crisis you're in and helps you to get through to the other side because you're going to go through a lot of valleys in your life and um, you need, uh, you need something to help you get through that. Okay. If this doesn't work out, I'll do this. Yeah. That's been really pivotal for me as well. And I think about that even when I was in my valleys and when I was teaching or when, uh, you know, even with the children or, shifting in uh, valleys in my own marriage or, or whatever that that brings to pass. And I think about even now in this COVID situation of thinking about, I mean, it has been quite a roller coaster, quite a roller coaster uh, of a year in terms of valleys and peaks of, of some really dark days and then some 
points of light. And I know that there are individuals out there that are looking for a way, they, ha- they need a way to give themselves, to pick themselves up out of this valley and be able to keep moving forward because we still have a lot of work ahead of us in terms of what this pandemic has, has done for our economy, for our own personal well-being, our mental health, for the mental health of our children, for our, our actual physical health. There's a long road ahead. And the, the one little thing, you know, you said your mind has to have a way out, but the other piece of advice that has helped me through the pandemic and through my career is that you give yourself something to look forward to each day. Yes. We I as think, humans need that. Yes, absolutely. I do that. I do that myself every day. I think to myself, what can I look forward to today that's happy? Um, and I, I remember telling you and David that find something that you can look forward to every day to help you get through that day. You mean you might have something that you're really dreading and, and give yourself something that you could look forward to. And, like and I said, it doesn't I have that. to be like crazy. You know, oh, it, could be, it could be a piece of chocolate. It could be watching yeah. a show on TV. It could be going for right. a walk. It could be going. Now, I will say you mentioned that Mama D did a lot of cooking, but in her later days, she really enjoyed going out to dinner. Yeah. And I very much appreciated that. So it could be going out to dinner. Those were a lot of times things I look forward to. Or when I was teaching in particular, it would be something in my lunchbox that was delicious. Um, my mother had a great sense of humor, and um, I, she would love to hear children laughing. I remember her saying that. She had the advice where, um, and I just recently said this to David, um, she said there were three worries coming down the road, and two of them will fall in the ditch. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be very accurate, too. I just said that to him the other day. He was very worried about a situation and, and, and had really listed off about three worries and two of them did fall in the ditch. Um, I think that that helps you get through a worried time also. I will, that's an, yeah, that's another piece of advice that, you, that I have that sticks in my brain. And I can actually remember you telling me that I, we were on a little road trip, you and I, to Atlanta to go to Ikea. That was before yeah. Ikea was in, in <laughs> here in Charlotte. But, and I, I think I was fretting about something or another and having a conversation. And I remember you telling me, you know, three worries come down and two fall in the ditch. And, you know, there's a piece of comfort in that as well, in that as much as overwhelm can take us, uh, trying to think about it in small chunks is far more, it, it helps with the overwhelm, you know, thinking, all right, these three, all these things coming down, if I can think of them, if I can categorize them in my brain or write them down or draw whatever you need to do, are all three of them really as dramatic as we think they're going to be? Exactly. Um, something else that she said too, that I thought was very wise was she said, never leave anybody out. Mm. Um, I thought that was, I've thought about that many times too. Let's say you're having a party and you um, maybe want to not include somebody that could possibly find out that you had the party or a wedding list or uh, those kinds of things. I've thought many times, you know, mother said not to leave anybody out. Um, And 
I've tried to remember that. And she was absolutely right on that too. So, so if you could think about one action item that we could give our audience right now as we're thinking about uh, moving into a new year and finding the center, finding our passion, really thinking about learning something new or maybe even just going in with a new lens into our, our current career or life path. What is one piece of advice, action item that you could share with our audience? Right now, I guess what I do right now, um, I, I think we are going to get through all of this, the pandemic. Uh, we have a, a wonderful country that it, it is, has survived many um, negative um, behaviors and actions. But um, right now, what I try to do is just take one day at a time, just try to get through each day. One day at a time, try to find something to look forward to. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, that um, my husband does come home every day, so I always look forward to him coming home. But um, I try to um, I try to think about um, that, looking forward to something that I might be doing in over the weekend or whatever. I think that's the way to get through this right now. And know that we will solve. We will solve this problem. We've always solved it. Americans are survivors. I agree. So, um, so action item for today is one day at a time. Give yourself something to look forward to each day. And you can yeah. think about this the night before, the morning of. It could be a really great cup of coffee. It could be a piece of chocolate. It could be something on TV. But it's something to give yourself to look forward to each day that gives you a little bit of giddy up in your step. And or it could be a little jingle in your pocket, as my mom says, a little yeah. extra months, a little extra here and there. And that jingle could be money or it could just be a little bit of um, a little extra step. Mom, I want to thank you for being here today with us and for sharing a bit about who you are and your background and for my audience to get to know me a little bit better and to know where I came from born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a Charlotte native, which they often call us unicorns. Um, my mom and, and dad both are from this area as well. And so wanted to share a little bit about who I am and we'll continue having these conversations. And I also wanted you to hear some of the advice that has helped driven me uh, in my life and career. And uh, I thank you, Mom, for all of your love and support and for sharing a little bit of who you are today. And if you all would like to know more about the work that I do or that my mom has helped inspire along with my mama D, you can find at the dot consulting.co or our nonprofit, which is dottyrosefoundation.org. And of course, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please subscribe to the show. You can find us on the Voice American Network if you're listening to us uh, there now, or we are also on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, and you just find Coding the Future. And subscribe, leave a review, and I appreciate you all joining us for this hour, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Coding the Future. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. 
Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.